Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Life Rewired podcast, and thank you guys for joining us on this Sunday, June 25th. Today's episode is going to be all about how to optimize your workout plan, and this is something that you know Christine and I honestly have been working at, you know, fine tuning, restructuring, you know, pivoting, learning all the things when it comes to developing a very solid workout program. And this is something that I especially take a lot of pride in. I've read so many books about this. I've studied this for years. And I truly do feel like I'm at a place now where I can take these very complex principles and really make it simple for you guys. And I think that that's the biggest thing that you guys are going to take away from this episode is this whole idea of, you know, workout programming, training programming can be so advanced, so technical, so scientific. And we are literally giving you guys just handing you over the simplest, right, like cutting right to the point, you know, the the specific five ways that you guys can really optimize your plan starting today. And so before we begin, this episode is brought to you by Nash Nutrition. The Nash Bar is made with simple and nourishing ingredients, 20 grams of protein, which also, by the way, is so very rare. You know, most protein bars that we see on the market are like 10, you know, 15 grams of protein. These are 20 grams of protein. That's like literally a scoop of protein um, from most whey protein powders. So you guys are getting a ton of protein with these bars. They're naturally sweetened with honey and dates for incredible flavor. And what a lot of people don't realize is that most of the healthy protein bars that we do see on the market are heavily processed. I probably get you know a new message every single week from clients shooting me pictures of bars like, hey Zach, you know, is this one healthy? I'll look up the ingredients and sure enough, it's heavily processed. And so we just know that if we consume too much of this processed food too often, which, you know, mostly with protein bars, these are, you know, food items that we're going to be consuming at a high volume and frequency. We know that that can lead to eventual long-term health issues. And so this is why we love the Nash bars, guys, because we never even have to think twice about the ingredients and they truly are the good for you protein bar. And we literally just got our shipment in yesterday. Every single time I get a new shipment, I have to have one because they are literally handmade, fresh, ready to go every single time you guys get these bars. They are absolutely phenomenal. Um, literally, this whole brand is going to explode and it already has around everyone that we know. So make sure you guys um, get a get your hand on a box of bars to try after the episode, head to the link in the show notes um, and make sure you guys are constantly getting updates on when those releases are going to happen. So the next one coming up is Thursday, June 29th at 6 p.m. And so on to today's episode. This is episode 91, almost to 100 episodes. And so this one is all about how to optimize your guys' workout plan. And what you guys are going to hear throughout this episode is a lot of trial and error. You know, Chris and I have tried different things. We have adjusted certain things with our own program. We are going to talk through different things we're thinking about when developing client programs. Um, and we really feel like you guys could literally walk away from this episode and develop a phenomenal program for yourself. You could take the things you're already doing, probably make some slight tweaks and just take it from something you're um, doing you know, some of the time and absolutely just optimize the hell out of it. And so we really are giving you guys some very high quality nuggets here. And you know what's really cool about this is we've had to adjust our own you know training over the years. We've had to adjust based off of unfortunate you know injuries or setbacks. We've had to adjust based off of you know the seasons of life that we're in. You know not not always can we get you know five workouts in a week or you know six workouts in a week. Sometimes it's three. Sometimes it's four. Sometimes it might even be two, depending. And we're gonna give you guys those tools necessary to not have to press pause. I think that's the biggest thing too with this episode is to allow you guys to always be adaptable, to give you guys the tools necessary where even if you have to, even if what 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 you're doing might look different, you know, we're still going to get those end results that we're looking for. 
And I think for us, training so many different people from so many different walks of life with different equipment, different goals, different injuries, it's really caused us to like get creative when it comes to programming and lean on the principles of programming like hypertrophy and weekly splits and things like that to take the guesswork out of our clients, you know, executing their fitness journey. And for me, Zach does that for me as well. But I think it's taught us a lot about how everyone's body is so individual. And for me, I program for so many clients when it comes to injury, but until going through an injury myself, I didn't realize how much mentally it caused you to like it just caused some frustration in the gym, essentially. So there were certain movements I could not do. And it was really a mental battle for me because with fitness being my career, it was super frustrating to know, like, I will never be, well, currently in this season of life, I will not be doing RDLs. I will not be doing sumo deadlifts. So for me, like days I had to get super creative. I'm still very, like the variety of upper body I can do is just like so extensive. But for lower body, we just sat down. And I remember we were sitting at a breakfast actually in Denver on our most recent trip and I was like almost in tears just thinking about how frustrated I was because my back just was constantly still hurting and it was due to me like having ego in the gym for sure I was still wanting to lift like I used to and I took what I learned through like rehab with Corey like bracing my core and doing the pre like mobility and rehab and things like that before my lifts but still I was like trying to lift the same weight and lift the same exercises that I used to because that's all I've ever known was just like every four weeks I changed my split change the movements entirely and Zach just had to sit me down and be like okay what are the movements that do not hurt and we listed them out and he made a notepad and was just like you're going to do this for the next eight weeks and you're not going to change it and see how your back feels and I'm literally still doing that program because it's all about like these five things we're going to talk about today that really optimize your training regardless if you're doing the same movements and obviously going through an injury teaches you a lot like I said mentally but it also taught me a lot physically about the intensity that I was lifting previously, about my form, about my bracing of my core. And the very first thing we're going to go over today is doing pre-fatigue. And this is something I've never brought into my training personally. Obviously, as I train women, Zach will explain the reason behind why he does this with certain with himself and certain male clients. But for me, I've never had to weave this into a female client's program, but it's something that I've experienced the benefit from. And if you don't know, like I'll just give you an example of what that looks like. So for back squats, that was something I was still able to do. And in order to pre-fatigue, like we're working on hypertrophy, I'm not working on my performance. I'm not working on one rep maxing or powerlifting, but we would do like TKEs, which is a banded exercise like around the, the rack and doing it before my squats, it caused my quads to really fatigue. And then when I got under the bar, lifting lighter weight felt like a higher RPE and intensity. So I was able to experience that muscle hypertrophy at a lower weight, meaning I was protecting my back. I was protecting my form. I was moving at the proper intensity, but that pre-fatigue helped the weights feel heavier, which then broke my muscles down more and created growth. So this is now something I'm doing with like hip thrust, for example, where I'm trying to stimulate that like pre-fatigue with my glutes so that when I do hip thrust, I don't have to go as heavy because that's something that even though if my form is on point, I'm using like a hip thrust machine instead of doing a barbell, like I'm making so many modifications and getting creative there. But we figured out like which machine feels best for me, what rep range feels best for me and doing pre-fatigue helps me get that hypertrophy without hurting my back. Yeah, absolutely. And pre-fatigue is just such an awesome tool for you guys to have in your toolbox, really for a multitude of reasons. And so, you know, some of you out there might be thinking like, well, don't I not want to be fatigued, you know, for a certain set? Um, And it all depends, once again, guys, on the intent we're looking for from the exercise that it is we're doing. So I'm just going to give an example of this. If we were obviously training for like performance, like Christina was saying, like say we were training for purely strength training, we're chasing, you know, a certain load or something like that. Um, As you guys know, Chris and I don't do that very often. Um, Our goal is always, you know, 
for the most part, more aesthetics and more um, muscle hypertrophy, which is just building muscle. But you know, obviously if the goal was performance, we don't wanna be in a fatigue state because we want to perform at an optimal level and be able to hit that certain weight you know, that we're chasing or the certain you know, rep range or certain like technical lift. But if we're training for aesthetics or we're training for muscle hypertrophy, it all comes down to that muscle damage. And so we actually are putting ourselves in a more advantageous state um, by being pre-fatigued because it's going to make the route to get to that muscle damage shorter. And so that's the whole idea here with pre-fatigue, guys, is you're, you're actually fatiguing the muscle using something like an isolation exercise before you go into the compound movement, forcing you, like Christina said, to go a little lighter, but still drive an insanely high amount of stimulus. And a really good example of this is, you know, a lot of the former athletes that I coach, you know, they're very advanced, you know, they, they've been lifting for, you know, say a decade plus, and they're very strong. And I kind of fall into this category where I, for me to hit like, you know, a muscle hypertrophy set of like six, eight or 10 reps on certain exercises is going to be so very heavy for me to like do like a true six rep max or a, a true eight rep max, which just meaning like basically RP 10, like 10 out of 10 intensity, like for me to hit that load to get that stimulus, it's going to have to be so fucking heavy. And so, um, you know, I've seen this even in clients, like I shout out to my client, Roy Hall, like big beast of a football player, like literally was like a, you know, six foot three, six foot four, um, 230 pound wide receiver, like the dude's a beast. And he is like stronger than his joints and body can handle sometimes. And so like guys like that, and guys like even myself who, you know, tend to be stronger on some of these lifts, you know, we actually are giving ourselves more of an advantage for muscle gain by throwing ourselves into a fatigued state before performing certain compound movements. And so Really, it's kind of a twofold technique where, you know, if you're someone with more of like a compromised area of the body that you don't want to place a lot of load on, you can easily use this technique of pre-fatigue, you know, to still maximize results for way less loading. And so, you know, just always think back to that, guys, like what is the outcome I'm ultimately looking for? Because I think a lot of times, like some of us are chasing aesthetics, but training for performance. And then other way around, like some of us are looking for performance, but training for aesthetics. So it always falls back on that idea of like, what are we really looking to get out of the exercise? And just know if you guys have, like Christina gave the example, if you have an area of the body that is a little bit compromised, that you know may not be able to handle all that loading, definitely utilize this pre-fatigue because it's going to help you, like we said, drive a high level of stimulus and adaptation for a very low, basically like without having to load your body up with a ton of weight. And I'm big on putting a resource inside of a resource. My clients know this, but we have episodes with Corey, who is RPT. We have an episode with him. If you just search Life Rewired Corey, I forget which episode it is specifically. We can link these in the show notes, but we also have an episode with Roy Hall too. So not only is he a beast in the gym, but also outside the gym, he's a motivational speaker and just someone that I feel like a lot of people could look up to, especially in the Columbus area. So we'll put those two episodes in the show notes. Absolutely. And the second principle, so the second way to optimize your guys' workout plan is through the rep ranges at which you're training at. And this one is like a huge takeaway for a lot of you guys, because in this kind of like influencer, social media driven world, you know, it's very common and very popular to chase rep ranges of like 12, like let me do 12 reps of this, you know, high volume, more, more volume, more muscle gain, or like 15 reps or 20 reps or 25 reps. And something that you guys are going to hear throughout this podcast, it's a recurring theme of this episode is intensity. Intensity, this is one of the principles we're going to talk about, but intensity truly does trump everything. 
where, you know, if we're doing, say, an exercise, like it's not just like we're doing it for 12 reps or 15 reps and we automatically gain muscle. You know, it's we have to elicit that intensity and that time under tension. So if we, for example, are doing 12, 15, 20 reps, but at a very diluted intensity, we're not going to get that much from that exercise. So this is why I'm a fan of really trying to keep those rep ranges in a range where the the client or the individual can push at a high level of intensity. Like for example, you know, it'd be really, really freaking hard to do like 10 reps of conventional deadlift and maintain like crystal clear, perfect form the whole entire time that you're doing 10 reps versus like doing five reps. Like it's gonna be much easier for someone to push at a high level of effort and intensity for five reps while still maintaining good reps, good form, good quality versus someone trying to chase, say, maybe 10 reps on a very advanced compound movement like that. You know, fatigue's gonna take over, the reps are gonna start to become diluted. So that's what we're always looking for. And that's what I'm always looking for with clients is like, how can I throw a rep range at the individual where they're still going to be able to push at a high level of intensity, still get a high level of volume, um, but also maintain good quality, good reps, good form. And so that's typically what we see. And this is why I like to train, especially for muscle growth, anywhere like on the low end, like five, six reps, and then on the high end, like 10 reps. And then if it's like an isolation, like single joint exercise, and by single joint, I mean like a bicep curl, a tricep extension, a lateral raise, a leg extension, a leg curl, those are all single joint exercises. That's when you can start to go, you know, 12 reps and above, because just think about it logically, guys, the less joints you have involved, the easier it's going to be to maintain good form. So if you're doing like a deadlift, super high volume, you know, that form is going to be harder to maintain than say a super high volume leg extension. You know, you're just moving through one joint versus in a deadlift, you're moving through like three, four joints. And so always fall back on, you know, that, that principle of intensity and use the rep range to get there because we know the scientific evidence shows, you know, you can literally build muscle between reps five and 30 reps. You know, there's been so many meta-analysis analyses out there and so many different research studies, you know, explaining and arguing all these different optimal rep ranges. And it always falls back on that principle of intensity. So that's why I personally think like most of you guys out there listening to this episode are going to benefit so much more from like literally like reps five to 10 on a certain exercise, because that's going to allow you to push in that hypertrophy range with high level of effort and intensity while still maintaining good quality, while still maintaining good quality reps and good quality form. Yeah, and my favorite rep ranges for like a compound lift is definitely like six to eight for like the first couple of weeks and then increasing the weight from there. And I think when you guys think about progressive overload, and we'll talk a little bit about that later on too, but when it comes to rep ranges, I think the easiest way for most people to increase progressive overload or to have it in their programming is to increase the weight that they're lifting. But if you're starting at like 15 reps, it is really difficult to like increase the weight and maintain proper form and intensity because in week one, it's almost like you're just going through the motions. If you're choosing a weight you can build on for 15 reps, it's like, okay, how am I going to continue to maintain proper form and intensity for 15 reps? So I think for a lot of people, like eight to 12 is a good spot to like stay within if you're doing your own programming, like eight reps for week one, 10, 12, and then like really focusing on like increasing the weight for 12 reps in that last round. That's for like supersets and accessory movements like Zach was talking about. But I think that rep ranges are something that a lot of people don't really think about when they're just like 
kind of copying and pasting or like watching an Instagram workout where they're seeing like an influencer, I guess you could say like doing a workout and they just don't question like, why am I doing 15 reps or what is 15 reps supposed to feel like? What's the intensity supposed to feel like? And that's where program hopping, this isn't even part of the like five ways to optimize your workout plan, but this is a mistake I made for a long time, which was program hopping. I would do a, like a split for a week, do another split the following week. And it's like, you don't have room to grow and room to build, which is where true hypertrophy and like muscle growth happens from. Yeah, absolutely. And like, just ask yourselves, like, if you just finished a set of like 12 reps, and like, it was not that hard, like, something's wrong. Like we either, you know, didn't go slow enough to make it hard, we didn't use the right weight, you know, probably didn't chase range of motion. So just always think to yourselves, like, after you finish a set, like, was it even exhausting? Like, was it even a challenge for you? Like, just because we like technically like don't think of it just as like checking off a box is basically what I'm saying. Like just because you see 12 reps or 15 reps and you're like, okay, I did it, check it off the box. But like, what was that set like? Like, was it hard? Was it actually hard? Or was it kind of easy? Like, did you finish it? And you're like, ah, like that wasn't that hard because it always comes back to hard sets, hard sets equal intensity, which equals growth. And think about our topic from last week, from like a physical standpoint, we talked about like growing at the peak level of discomfort what happens to your body? The same exact thing. So Mm -hmm. we can't grow in our comfort zone. And that's something that I also did for a really long time. I know that a specific exercise that a lot of people like camp out at the same weight is like lateral raises, for example, but you can increase the intensity of that or the rep ranges and like really stimulate that muscle growth versus picking up the 10 pound weights and just doing 15 reps every single week, which I see constantly in the gym. And also when clients come to me, it's like, oh, I didn't know this was supposed to feel, you know, this hard, you know, getting to the end of a set. So just something to think about. And obviously we program it like in certain RPE and like intensity for our clients with a four week program, but we'll talk more later on what that looks like with intensity and program duration and things like that. But the third way to optimize your workout plan is frequency. So are you lifting three days a week, four days a week, five days per week? And I think this is very individual. And for a lot of my clients, like four days per week is pretty standard, like upper, lower push and pull. But for a lot of my clients going through like a busy season of life, full body is also super beneficial for them where we pull back like on the days we're lifting, we still have our step goal, you know, six to seven days per week. But the frequency that we're hitting each muscle group is three days a week, full body, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for example, but you're still getting like the chest, the back, the quad, the hamstring and core work woven in there, but it's very strategic. But one of the biggest things I'll say here is like, if I make a three day full body program and you're not hitting all three days, you're not going to have the proper frequency to stimulate that muscle growth. Of course, you're still working out and that's something over nothing mentality is obviously important here, but it is very important to stimulate those muscles like at least three days per week. So when you're doing a full body program, I think a lot of people think like, oh, it's a circuit. I'm just doing it for cardio reasons and lifting with super light weights. And it's just like a heart rate, you know, workout essentially, but really like lifting, like you can still lift very heavy, like compound lifts and do full body workouts three days per week and still be able to recover based on the spacing of the workouts across the span of the week. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this is probably one of the most overrated topics in health and fitness where it's like, you know, four days is optimal, five days is optimal, this six day split is optimal. And guys, at the end of the day, what matters is the total volume that you're doing. It and does what not you matter. Can stick to. Yeah, and what you can stick to. What you can stick to, and as long as you're getting the total amount of volume per muscle group, if your goal is to build muscle, then you can split it up between three, four, five, six, like literally however you want. And so instead of getting so caught up on, you know, the frequency at which how many days you're training, get more caught up in how often and how much are you progressing and training each muscle group. And so I'm going to kind of explain this, you know, for example, the scientific evidence tells us that we can build muscle anywhere between 10 to 15 total working sets per muscle group per week, obviously intensity included. Um, But that's about the range, you know, that the science tells us that we will build muscle is, you know, 10 to 15 total working sets 
per muscle group per week. So I'm gonna explain and bear with me on this, you know, how a three day split would facilitate that. So for example, you know, if we were doing like chest, back, legs, shoulders, arms, abs, um, you know, three days across the week, and we're doing, you know, different exercises for each one of those muscle groups across the week, you know, take the chest, for example, if you if I did, you know, four sets of barbell bench, um, you know, on Monday, you know, and then on Wednesday, I did four sets of single arm dumbbell bench. And then, you know, on Friday, I did four sets of another chest exercise across that week. That's 12 total working sets. I just checked off my box for that between 10 to 15 total working sets per muscle group. So I'm good. And honestly, in my opinion, where I think a three day split is, is really um, like gives you an advantage is like Christina said, you have more recovery time. You're going to give your body more recovery. And we actually build muscle when we're recovering. We're not building muscle when we're, like everyone says, chasing the pump. Um, another huge misconception in the health and fitness space. And so I also believe too, once you're, if you're an advanced individual who like really, really is understands intensity, you know, on these full body splits, when you're doing three workouts per week, you're like going hard as hell on one of those muscle groups per day. So it's not like you're doing a whole day hitting the same muscle group and potentially, you know, experiencing diluted intensity. You're just going super, super hard on chest on Monday, one in one set of four, for example, or like in just one set, you're going hard on that one muscle group. So it's allowing you to push at like a high level of intensity without having to worry about like maintaining that intensity for like an entire workouts worth of, of chest exercises, for example. My personal favorite, I love the four day split. I think this is like by far the perfect balance um, of volume, of frequency. I like to split it up as like, you know, one leg day is the quad focus, another leg day is more posterior focused, and then the upper body days are split between like a chest and back day, and then a shoulder arm day. And I find that this just gives me a little bit more um, opportunity to do more than a three day split, um, but also not like consuming my entire week. Cause I can find that like, it's much easier for me to rearrange like a four day split than obviously like a five day split, for example, you know, you can shift the week up, you can shift the week back, as long as you're getting those total workouts in, we know we're good. So there's really advantages to all of these workout splits. But I think that this will be super eye opening for some of you guys listening who thinks like, Oh my God, I can't work out unless I'm doing it five days a week, I can't work out unless I'm doing it four days a week. So just know that you can get a shit ton of results with three time per week frequency. Um, once again, it all falls back on that intensity. And that's why I think a lot of people, um, you know, do miss out like on a three day split, because it is really hard. Like Christina said, it's freaking uncomfortable to create adaptations and to push hard on sets. And so if you are someone who's more of like a beginner, you know, a three day split, you know, might not be the best thing for you if you can't elicit that kind of intensity. So once again, this always just falls back on that intensity, learn how to, you know, push with a high level of effort inside of each set you're doing inside the gym, and you guys will get a huge ROI for your time and for your efforts. And I think another good thing about four day split is you can front load and back load your week. So for people who have like a weekend plans, like I know this week, for example, I had so many clients like going out of town for weddings. And if they're going out of town on a Thursday afternoon after work for a rehearsal dinner, they're out of town Friday, they're out of town Saturday, they're out of town Sunday, you can still front load your week and get all your lifts in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday morning, then go out of town and just focus on steps. So you're still able to like complete that, like checking your box of four workouts per week, but five makes that extremely difficult. Obviously, like there are 
advantages to having a hotel gym and things like that but even for us like five days a week is pretty difficult to get into the gym like there are certain days of the week we have to make it an active rest day because of work meetings and because all the things we have going on or if we're going out of town we have people coming in town we have plans it's really difficult sometimes to get those five days per weekend if you can like we'll just go in and get cardio in and just like move our body get steps in work you know do some core work or something like that but i think four is a really good sweet spot for everyone so if you're doing five or six days per week think about like what's your intensity like how are you able to hit six days per week at the proper intensity and feel recovered and most likely the answer is that you're not going intense enough for your body to need recovery which is where the magic really happens and the fourth thing is intensity i know we're talking a lot about intensity but the fourth way to optimize your training is that intensity trumps total volume and for us something that has been really helpful in the past couple of weeks we've talked about like a crazy season of life for us with moving and just everything we had going on there were some days where like we could only get in the gym for like 40 minutes or like even quicker you know we just like something over nothing mentality really kicked in and for me i'll look at my whole lift and if it was like three supersets that's six exercises i was like i'm just gonna go as hard as i can for the first four see where i'm at on time and if i cut it short that's fine because i got what i came for with these four movements so the other day i literally i think i had a call where i got i had like a super busy morning i had like 40 minutes and then I had a call, so I had to get back. So I basically went in, I did my pre-fatigue for squats, then I did barbell squats, and then I did a superset after that with like lunges and leg extension or something. And just in those four movements, like my legs were shaking so hard I could barely walk out of the gym. And I was like, oh my gosh, this feels like I've been in here for hours and I was in there for 40 minutes. Because if you spend your rest period like efficiently and you're not resting too long, you're also not giving yourself not enough rest to go hard in that next set. Like that rest period is super important. And also how intense each set was like after each set, like I needed recovery. And sometimes when you're going through like eight exercises in a workout or even more than that, like you kind of lose sight of like how intense each set should feel because you're like, I have this whole workout to go. Like I'm going to kind of conserve my energy, but that's giving you no ROI except for, you know, you're moving your body. Obviously you're still getting a lift in, but you're not reaping those benefits of muscle hypertrophy as much if you're not going intense enough with those movements. So sometimes going for four movements, going hard as hell will give you more than like six or eight diluted exercises or sets, you know? So just really prioritize the intensity over everything else. Yeah, like I've seen you make this shift big time in your training, like explain like how fatigued you are after these sets, like explain like how much rest time you have to take, explain what your facial expressions are like, your breathing, <laughs> kind of dive into that because I think that this will really show people and explain like what a true hard set really means. Yeah, and just to kind of give you a picture of it, like I hate filming my workouts, Zach knows this. Um, number one, I like to be in the zone, like use it as my me time because fitness is our whole day. But I also like don't know what to do with my face when he's filming me because I want to like scrunch my face up and grunt and like do these things that I can't hear typically when I have my headphones in because that's how intense like that set feels. And when I go into each workout, I pay attention to like how that RPE should feel that week. And I think that over the past like two years, I've really, and since Zach took over my programming, really focused on that intensity and beating myself from the week before. Cause I was kind of going through the motions for a while. My fitness journey, I was in like a super just burnout state in my job. And I was just like, ah, oh, my workout is my me time. I just want to relax. My body was in such a stress state. I think I was protecting my CNS by not going too hard in my workouts. Cause I'm just like, I don't think my body could recover mentally and physically at the same time, but long story short, now I'm focusing more on intensity and in each set, I look at the RPE and what I lifted last week. And I'm like, how can I beat myself from the week before in some way, shape or form? If it's like a week where my energy is lower, like hormonally for women, that's something you have to pay attention to. And I know like, okay, 
for this barbell back squat, I cannot go up in reps this week based on how heavy it felt. Like it's going to feel heavy certain weeks. And for us, like we have to listen to our body, but I'll just go super slow through the movement. Like I'll add temp, even more tempo than the week before. And while that's not something you can tangibly track, I mean, you can write down your tempo, but in the app, the software that we use, it's not like you get a notification like you hit a PR because you had a tempo. It's like you either increase the weight, you increase the sets, you increase the reps. That gives you a PR notification. But I'll just go super slow through movement and pause pause at the bottom, explode up and at the end of the set, like I have to sit down because like my quads are so pumped up. I don't know. This is different than like chasing the pump with like endurance exercise like 15 20 reps but it's just like I feel the fatigue so much more when I focus on tempo or when I look at what weight did I use last week how can I beat myself from the week before because if in my mind if I'm not beating myself from the week before I'm not growing and that's my whole goal with each workout is to grow in some way shape or form so the intensity of me like focusing on my breath like I brace my core before every squat I come down I pause I come back up and I have to like focus on my breath, focus on bracing my course. Every set feels like a core exercise. It feels like a cardio exercise and it feels like a muscular endurance, which is the point, but it just feels like I'm getting an overall, so much more of a benefit from focusing on the intensity of those exercises versus saying like, oh, I have like five supersets in this workout. How can I kind of conserve my energy and just like get through each set and check a box? Cause that's I sometimes in that way, like I just need to check a box, but I want to make sure I'm getting an ROI for spending my time in the gym. Yeah. And I was literally just talking about this on my Instagram last week, but I truly believe like intensity is not just the load. Like intensity is not just the weight you guys are using. I personally believe the definition of intensity is literally when the weight, when the range of motion, when the tempo and when the mind muscle connection are all simultaneously being like absolutely maximized that is when you elicit a shit ton of intensity. And, you know, Christina just spent that whole time talking through that. And this is really where, like, when we think about, like, what really creates growth? Like, I know we talk about frequency, rep ranges. There's all these nuances we talked about so far. But what is really the number one thing that creates growth? And it's muscle damage. When we create muscle damage, we then have to repair those muscles, which then grow. And so when we are trying to think about what is going to give us that muscle damage, it all comes back to intensity. How freaking hard and how much intensity and stimulus can we place on this muscle tissue to damage the shit out of it so it can then heal, repair, and grow? And, you know, very similar to like Christina's example, I am not kidding you guys. I have been doing literally like three to four exercises total on my quad day and just absolutely destroying and building my quad, like noticeably building my quads more than I ever have with the most minimum amount of work, um, but still a freaking high level of intensity. So like, even though it's not that many exercises, like still pushing it hard. Like I've been doing um, like heavy, heavy, heavy barbell um, single leg split squats and this is another really good tip. If you're doing any unilateral training and you feel like you can go immediately into the other leg after doing the, the one leg, you're not going heavy enough and intense enough. I'm telling you right now. Um, like literally when I'm doing these single leg squats, like I have to literally take like a one to two minute rest between legs because like when I'm finished, all of those things, the tempo, the range of motion, the mind muscle connection and the weight I'm using is literally like I'm pushing with every ounce of effort that I have to maintain control, to maintain full range of motion, all while putting a, a lot of load you know, on my body, um, but nonetheless, not sacrificing that quality. And it literally is so exhausting when you guys do that. And so that's why I think rest, like how much you're forced to rest 
is a great indication of intensity inside the gym. Like I like we just said, we like when I'm done with a hard set, like I am literally like sweating, huffing, puffing, making faces, like literally in a, in in the best pain possible. Um, I have a perfect example of this because we don't get to go to the gym at the same time all the time. Like sometimes Zach's at another gym, we're training at a different time of day. But there was one leg day where we were both on a super big like time crunch. And I look over at him and he was doing these tempo goblet squats. So I was going to bring up mind to muscle connection. I want to hear from your perspective, like how you go about that. Because I looked over at you and you looked like from your sweat, your face, like giving labor vibes <laughs> coming across <laughs> your face. And I looked over and was like, damn, like it makes me so proud, obviously, to see, you know, your man's lifting that heavy in the gym. But I came over and was just like, what is this workout when you were just like, I've literally done four movements and I feel like completely gassed. And I was like, you look completely gassed, like in the best way you were going so hard at just like those few movements and going so slow. And every time I looked over at you, you were still doing tempo goblet squats and you were just like going hard as hell on that like one area and getting so much benefit from it. Yeah, that the specific superset she's talking about, like I was doing, um, and it's technically a compound set where you hit like two muscle groups um, in the same like superset, essentially, Um, it's technically called a compound set, but I was doing like super, super heavy, um, while still once again, maintaining good form, good reps, everything like that, um, leg extensions. So I was doing like an isolation pre fatigue, and then going, I would literally immediately upon finishing like an excruciatingly hard set of 10 leg extensions, diving into like aggressively heel elevated narrow stance goblet squats so literally placing all tension on my quadriceps um and knees and just like going with full range of motion like literally like butt ass to grass like completely dropping to my like literally where my butt was hitting my achilles heel um literally like five seconds down holding like three to five at the bottom and then going like three to five seconds up and i was just absolutely punishing my quads (laughs) and i think a huge piece of that too is mobility and that's not one of the ways to optimize your training plan that we've listed out today but i think it's kind of an unspoken benefit to your training program is when you're able to execute the full range of motion at proper tempo and getting your ass to the grass is not easy i feel like even for a lot of females who have like wider hips or better mobility even me as a very short individual like that's extremely hard to do but unless you prioritize mobility as much as you do you know your training program you're not going to be able to optimize that full range of motion and truly get your ass to the grass which is where like that overall stimulus came from from you so i think that being mobile and strong is equally important yeah and like that's something that you guys can play around with in your training where like if you are feeling like you're going so heavy that you're not able to access those ranges of motion i'm telling you if you just pull back the weight a little bit and go the full range of motion you're going to be shocked at how much of a difference that that makes like speaking of exercises like that's something i actually just recently did on lateral raises i for a while was kind of like really starting to realize i could lift a lot of weight on lateral raises and i was pushing the weight pushing the weight pushing the weight but i was realizing i'm like shit you know i'm overcompensating i'm starting to overcompensate starting to swing a little bit starting to take tension off of the delts which is the muscle once again this is another principle mind muscle connection like i was realizing that that was becoming diluted um so what i did was is i decided to regress i pulled back on you know how much load I was using. I was like literally getting up to like 30, 35, 40 pounds on lateral raises. And I went all the way back down to 20. And I literally went like a little bit higher. Like I actually just started like pushing a little bit higher than like my shoulder height, like not like ridiculous, but just going like a little bit higher. And then like really like going slow, like three to five seconds down and like going a little bit higher volume with that lighter load with that tempo with that range of motion all these things we're talking about and my shoulders were smoked 
the next day, like completely smoked. Um, so all of these principles matter, guys. And if the more you can elicit those hard sets, just find ways throughout your training, like going into each set, you need to think to yourself, like, how can I make this hard? Like if you really want to get the results that you're looking for, it's like, you know, think about how can I make this set a little bit more challenging and a little bit more difficult for the muscle that I'm targeting with this exercise. And while we're on the topic of all things training, I feel like this is a good opportunity to talk about some like abbreviations you'll see and some of the things that we talk about when talking about progressive overload and intensity. And how Zach was saying, like full range of motion, ROM is a very common thing you'll see when people talk about range of motion. That's all that means, like full ROM basically. And then how Zach was talking about increasing the intensity of that lat raise when you're lifting up to like from like where the dumbbell is at your side up to that, you know top of the movement basically that's the concentric movement of the lateral raise the eccentric which is where most strength is built actually a lot of people think it's built in the concentric think about a bicep curl it's where you're curling up that's the concentric people think that's where you build the most strength it's actually on the eccentric so if you want to increase the tempo or intensity while you're bringing the dumbbell back down on the lateral raise or bicep curl that eccentric tempo is where you'll really start to see that strength build and zach taught me this too as i was trying to get a pull-up and really progress my push-up too i feel like for a lot of women that's the number one goal here it's like how do i increase my push-up how do i get a pull-up and doing eccentric push-ups and eccentric pull-ups is where that strength is really built and i think that's something that a lot of people don't talk about so i wanted to point that out really quickly and also last thing i'll say here is um ego lifting and like you said like you were increasing the weight over and over with lateral raises and not saying that's ego lifting i was like blown away when i saw you with 45s on lateral raises but i do see a lot of people in the gym just like throwing weight around with like no regard to their form or just like safety of the lift and it's just like you just want to like push heavy weight just to like check a box essentially and one of my clients messaged me and was like oh my gosh I'm focusing so much more on mind and muscle connection in this new program and it's something I've never felt before like I was always chasing a PR before realizing like I really just want to focus on like feeling each movement, feeling each set. And I was like, we've graduated from ego lifting to mind and muscle connection. And she was like, I've never heard that before. So I think it's something good to point out that like no one in the gym knows what or cares what you're lifting. Essentially what matters is like, are you experiencing mind and muscle connection? Sometimes I have to close my eyes to experience it, but I promise you, you'll reap the benefit. And this is why we've like, and I know Christina takes this approach with her clients, but this is really a big reason, even with me being an athlete, why I've shifted more from like, the like really like performance heavy training because like coming from an athletic and strength background myself as a as a high level athlete like everything we did was chasing performance and like I just know in that environment it is insanely difficult to not ego lift and to not overcompensate and to not place your body in a compromised state because anytime like we are seriously chasing a specific number like we will we will definitely cut corn like I'm I'm sorry but like I don't care who it is at some point, like that discipline is going to just, even if it's the slightest bit slip, you're going to pay for it. And so this is why we always, you know, place this principle into our programming, because if you are focused on that mind muscle connection, if you eliminate the ego lifting, you're never going to place your body in a compromised state. And I think that's the absolute irony. Like every dude out there, you go up to any dude and ask them if they want to build muscle like literally 99.999% of the guys are going to say yes. Well, guess what ego lifting does? It helps you or it doesn't help you build muscle and it puts you in an environment to have pain, to have injury. So literally like you're just, we're just shooting ourselves in the foot constantly when we're ego lifting versus like 
actually creating that mind muscle connection, not overcompensating, not only is that going to eliminate pain and injury, but it's also going to create muscle growth. And so like, that's the whole iron. I just think it's like so funny. Like we just live in this um, like ego lifting driven fitness society, especially for men. And I'm sorry to break it to you. Like all those dudes that you see on, on Instagram, all those influencers who are doing out of control, ridiculous reps, like they're on steroids, you're not. So, you know, always keep that in mind that, you know, range of motion is our best friend. Mind muscle connection is our best friend. Tempo, 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 tempo is our best friend. I cannot say that enough. Even if you think you're tempoing, you're probably not. Look at yourself in the mirror. I promise you it will be eye-opening if you become aware of tempo. Like literally walk into any gym, you will see no one, absolutely no one, maybe like 1% of the people in there actually going slow, actually using tempo. And I'm telling you guys, it's the one thing you're probably missing to keep yourself pain-free and to build a shit ton of muscle along the way. And last thing I'll say on intensity and all the stuff we're talking about is just like, this is like Pandora's box. Like all the stuff is coming up though. I feel like we don't talk about it that much, but for a long time, like as you talked about, like shifting the objective from like performance to hypertrophy, like muscle growth, I, for a long time was against straps. Like when clients would ask like, can I use straps when I deadlift? And I would be like, no, like we're not getting stronger grip strength. And then I thought about it. I'm like, why do we need stronger grip strength? We're not power lifting. Like we need to see a bigger, like for RDLs, for example, like I don't care if their grip strength is strong. I care about, can you perform that RPE with the muscle that's actually being worked, which is your hamstrings. Right. Like is the muscle, is the working muscle fatigued or is it like your the grip. grip fatiguing first? And that's what I'd always hear. Like people would say in their questions, like in their check-in, like my hands are like failing before my hamstrings are. And that's what I'm like, okay, get some straps and we'll see. And then boom, all of their hamstring PR started to increase. So sometimes it is, it's not about the ego of lifting without straps. Like for me, that's what I used to think. Just, I don't know why. Like I had that. Well, and it doesn't mean to like grab the straps right away. It's like, you know, go as long as you can can for certain, you know, without the straps. But once you hit that intensity that we're looking for, where it's like the grip fails before the muscle, then yeah, that's the perfect environment or opportunity to grab the straps. Exactly. And I think just for a lot of people, like there's there's straps on Amazon. And I think that once they do grab those and like try doing it without straps for as long as you can, bring them with you in your gym bag. And then you'll be surprised at how much stronger your hamstrings are, how much stronger like your posterior chain is if you're doing like sumo deadlifts or conventional versus doing it without straps just to say I'm doing it without straps. So that's something else I wanted to mention when it comes to like ego lifting and whatnot versus actually getting more bang for your buck with the movement. But the very last thing, we will probably go on a long rant, but the last thing we have for you guys on optimize your work, optimizing your workout plan is following the same movements for as long as you can. I kind of talked about that earlier, how I followed the same program and Zach's like, do this as long as you can. I actually followed it for 12 weeks straight. So that's a really long time to be following. And I obviously changed my upper body every four weeks too, but for lower body, I did not change one thing besides the progressive overload. And I just kept it in a running note on my phone and sharing that with Zach, like he was on the notepad because he created it. But every time I added like a PR, like week one, I did this week two, I did this week three, I did this for more reps. And I would literally take notes on every little thing. And having that accountability of someone watching and we're that for our clients, it's like when they get a PR, we get a notification on our end, like so-and-so hit six PRs, you know, and that motivation and accountability is truly a big factor in this too. But following the same movements for a longer period of time, if you're more advanced, can be extremely helpful. I think that when a lot of people start training, whether it's with us or they start training in general, four weeks is already a long time to follow a program compared be, to what yeah. to, compared to what they did before. Because the culture, the workout culture we live in is like, different workout every single time I go into the gym. So it's like, we want to meet our clients in the middle where we're giving them enough variation to not get bored, 
but also still keeping with the same exercises enough to still see the prog- progressive overload and still get the results. So that's where that's where you know we believe you know at the minimum you know you should be doing at least like the same exercises for four weeks. Like that's that at the minimum is going to give you an opportunity to progress, to build, to grow, and to create those adaptations. And for a while you were doing yours for eight. For a yeah, like I mean I. I mean, honestly, like if you have the discipline and, you know, you're not super anxious to always switch things around, like by all means, like go, go longer than the four, you know, go, go eight weeks, go 12 weeks, go 16 weeks, go as long, go as long as you can progressing, you know, those exercises, those movements, you know, a way that if you are going to take it longer than the four weeks, like a great way of doing it is like, you know, picking your rep ranges for the first cycle, you know, maximizing those, um, the weight that you're using at each one of those reps. Then, you know, after those four weeks, keep the same movements, bring intensity back down, increase the volume, and then chase a new load at all those higher rep ranges, and then just kind of keep that process going where it's like, you know, progress the weight over the four weeks, regress vo- or regress intensity, progress volume, same thing, chase the weight at the, across the four weeks at that new rep range. And then at the end of that new four week cycle, you know, bring the intensity back down, increase the reps again, and you can just keep chugging that along, um, you know, for as long as you want, quite honestly. And I think that this kind of just this just came to me about how this relates to our nutrition in a way because we're creatures of habit and we would rather stick to certain go-to meals for a while so we can put our energy towards executing certain things in our life. Like we can put that energy and time towards other areas. And I feel like because we're creatures of habit, we can follow the same program for like eight weeks, for example, versus like switching up your nutrition every single day to like keep it creative and keep it exciting where then you have to spend a lot more time being intentional and pre-logging and, you know, getting things perfect with your macro puzzle. But for us, I feel like we have so much on our plate all the time. But for me, I actually really enjoyed having the same leg day over and over and over because I knew what to expect. Like I went into it knowing like, here's the exercises I'm doing. Here's the order they're in. I just have to beat myself from the week before in some way, shape or form. And it was really fun for me because then I could progress even more. And especially with how I do things hormonally, like during period week and like PMS week for me, I scale back my intensity, then I bring it back up. So it's like I take a week off of progressive overload essentially. So doing a program for even longer, I'm not losing out on those PRs or that progressive overload, even with taking like in that eight week period, two weeks off of progressive overload. I'm still getting six weeks of that stimulus for my muscle and still listening to my body. So I think for women, like doing your program for even longer, like I'll have clients say like, hey, my period came a week early. Can I extend my program a week so I can actually finish it off strong? versus, you know, having to scale back and choose a lighter intensity because we all kind of want to like end something off strong. And when we do four week cycles and it's the week that you feel your weakest, it's not the best feeling. So doing longer programs for more advanced individuals, for people who are creatures of habit and also for women like hormonally is not a bad idea, but you do have to master that progressive overload. So how we track that, like I said, you can even do it in a notepad, kind of prefer that right now, doing it in a notepad and putting like week one, this weight, week two, this weight, how many reps I did, and just keeping like an ongoing list. It kind of does get messy though when you do the same program for a while. So we do have a software for our clients where we track progress and they can see it on there. And like, here's the weight you lifted last week. And by tracking that progress, you're able to tangibly see like, here's the number I have to beat, which is, it takes the guesswork out of it. A lot of people hold themselves back in the gym because they don't even remember what they lifted last week. If you just go in there and you lift, you follow an Instagram workout, like the reason you're not seeing results is because you're not growing every week. You're not beating yourself from the week before. If you're switching your workout every single week, number one, like I said, program hopping holds you back. But number two, you're also not giving yourself time to grow in those movements and you're not tracking it. So tracking your progress and tracking the weights that you lift is another way to optimize your workout plan. And that should be, I feel like after listening to any episode we have on fitness and unspoken rule.
Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many different ways that you guys can progressively overload your training. You know, something that I like to do, like if it's if it's like a banded movement, for example, or say it's a body weight movement, for example, like how are we going to progress the load? You know, we can't. I mean, maybe if we have a little bit heavier resistance bands, we can. But if it's like a movement like that, just progress the volume. You know, so if I'm doing push-ups, do more push-ups the next week, then do more push-ups the following week, and then so on, and keep going. And then if it's a loaded movement, most loaded movements, like Christina said, will like to just progress, you know, the, the weight we're using. But this is, again, another principle for those of you out there who might have access to only limited equipment. So if you only have a set of 20-pound dumbbells, guess what you're probably going to be progressing? The reps. And so, you know, you can, you can just get really smart and strategic about how you guys are approaching this with what, what it is you do have. So I kind of wanted to bring this whole thing together, um, take all this information that we're giving you and develop a kick-ass fucking workout plan. Um, you know, first and foremost, pick your frequency. Do you have time for three workouts per week, four times per week, five times per week? Whichever one you choose, pick one that fits for you, your lifestyle, your schedule. Then, you know, pick your exercises, pick the movements that you know are going to be, you know, optimal for you and your body. You know, if something hurts you, don't do it. So pick those exercises, pick those frequency, and then pick your rep range. Pick your rep ranges that you're going to pick at each one of those exercises. You know, if you, um, you know, fail to keep good quality form, once you start getting, you know, eight, 10 reps, maybe do everything at six reps. So pick your rep range, pick your exercises, pick your frequency, and then bring it all together with that intensity. You know, shoot for that intensity each time you go into the gym, stick with those movements for as long as you can, and progress progressively overload the weight that you're using or the reps that you're using or the range of motion. I always tell my clients, like, if we can't increase, like I always um, see stuff on Instagram, like when I've been stuck at the certain amount of weight for, for however long, great. If you can't go more weight, go even slower. Instead of a three second eccentric, go five seconds, go six seconds, fuck, go 10 seconds, do a 10 second eccentric, you'll be dying. And so <laughs> you'll make 50 pounds feel like, 100. yeah, so there's so many ways to make those workouts more challenging. And so, you know, these are really, I'm telling you guys, you guys could literally study this information we just gave you and develop a badass kick-ass workout plan that's going to give you phenomenal results. So, you know, we hope you guys took a lot away from this episode. You know, we really do. Um, really wanted to just give you guys literally just hand over to you guys, you know, in the simplest way. I know we talked about a lot of a um, little bit more advanced jargon, you know, throughout this one, but I really do think we simplified this down to five key ways that you guys can start optimizing your training plan. Because as, as you can hear throughout us talking through this, there's just so much shit in this industry, guys, that's ass backwards. And we want to be the ones to give you guys the steer, like the steer clear of the BS, just straight to the point necessary stuff that you need to optimize your training and optimize your results. Because trust me, there's 30, 40 different things we could argue are so-called optimal, but these are guaranteed the number, like the five things that is going to get you guys results. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Obviously, if you're one of our clients listening to this, we take care of all of this stuff for you and we talk about it on a consistent basis. But if you're someone who like you take all the five things that we talked about in optimizing your workout plan today and you can create the best program for you possible, but we can also take the guesswork out and give you guys an eight-week program that Zach created that is absolutely incredible. We'll put that in the show notes today as well for a little bit a bit of a freebie for you guys. And we can't wait to hear what you think. So if you do the eight-week program, reach out to Zach. Let them know what you think, but we'll include that down below for the Life Rewired fam and also the links to those two episodes I talked about earlier in the episode. We hope you guys have an amazing week and we will see you guys next Sunday. Peace out.